Hey, welcome to Inside Stories. I'm Tequila. I'm Jen. In our podcast, we'll be playing audio clips from the different storytelling events we have around town. Some are held monthly, some are held a little bit more often, less often, but we'll bring that energy from those live storytelling events right here to you. Jen and I produce local storytelling events around town. We also um, co-facilitate workshops here in town as well. So we'll be deconstructing these stories to kind of bring you the how and why they work. Yeah, our idea is with Inside Stories that we're going to explore Madison one story at a time. And one of the reasons why we want to play clips from live storytelling events is there's there's definitely an energy that a storyteller gets when they're telling a story on a stage in front of a room full of most likely mostly strangers. Strangers. and so we wanted to sort of bring that energy to the podcast and we're going to bring in, uh, we're going to play a clip from a storyteller and then we'll bring that storyteller into the studio and then we'll listen to the story together and then we'll interview the storyteller both to learn and talk about some of the themes or issues in the story, but also to kind of deconstruct the story a little bit. You know, there's a real craft to putting together a good story and sort of talk a little bit about how that story is put together. So that is our plan with Inside Stories. Our very first storyteller who we're playing and is in the studio with, with us right now is Esteban. Hey, thank you for having me. I Welcome. appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. First guest. That's yeah, exciting. first guest. Yep, it yeah. is exciting. Um, so I think we're just going to listen to the story now. All right, let's go. There we go. All right, they heard my name. Um, she throws breakfast at our picnic table and says, eat! And uh, we eat in silence, and then we pack our campsite in silence, and we get into our rented PT cruise in silence, and we know that one way or another, our relationship ends today because we have decided in the middle of our Route 66 trip that we have to go to Vegas and get married. And it sucks. Uh, If not, I go back home to Ecuador and she goes off to her awesome job. But if we do, our whole point of our relationship, everything that we've told people ends because we are a couple that that kept telling people, we don't need a piece of paper to love each other. We don't need a piece of paper to be together. And then the U.S. government was like, Yeah, you do. (laughs) And uh, we would love to believe that love knows no boundaries, but despite what the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency might say, but love does know boundaries, and uh, we have to live through them. And so we get in our car, and we drive down the Arizona desert, and there's a windstorm, and the red sand of Arizona is blowing on our windshield, and we're quiet, and we heard. And I know what she's thinking. She's thinking, I can't believe I'm doing this for him. I'm marrying him so he can have a green card. But we just passed through the biggest bottle of ketchup in the world, (laughs) and the biggest rocking chair in the world. And I'm thinking, I can't believe I'm doing this for her. I'm gonna be living in this country. Right as the windstorm comes down and the 
dust settles in, she turns around to me, she turns to me and says, you know, this is just paperwork. We're just going to Las Vegas to get some paperwork. You know, let's just make this an uneventful, unimportant day. And I say, yes, you're absolutely right. That's what we got to do. We just have to, this day means nothing. We just have to make sure this is uneventful. And we just have to make sure that we don't tell this story to anyone <laughs> ever. And uh, with this new loophole, we drive down through Flagstaff, Arizona, and we still remember that we have to fool the U.S. government into thinking that this is an important day. So we stop at the local Goodwill, which is, uh, by the way, uh, pay-by-the-pound Goodwill. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And we get a suit and a white dress for like $2.45. And uh, she decides that she wants to try on the dress. And uh, she goes into the changing room. And when she comes out, I swear to God, I don't want to feel this way. But, my God, someone turned on a fan. Time stops. Sixpence None the Richer song starts playing. And she asks, how do I look? And I look at her and I say, you look adequate. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so we get back into the car, drive down. And she appreciated the answer. So drive down the highway. And I keep thinking, okay, well, you know, this was eventful, but I can still forget it because we haven't had still like a spiritual Moment, and that's well, if we don't have one of those, we're fine. And then we stop for ice cream. Uh, we're going to pay our ice cream, and someone taps me in the shoulder, and I turn around. There's a gentleman all dressed in black with a hat, and he says, I am going to pay your ice cream because you look on, you look like you are on an adventure of love. <laughs> My name is Michael, and I'm a uh, translator and interpreter of 13th century mystic love poet Rumi. <laughs> and you have reminded me of this poem of him. And he says, To my eyes, lovers touching our folded wings on a beautiful prayer. Yes, but at what great length and such expanse one can also reach when place tenderness upon the bow and our spirits know no gravity. And I think, fuck you. Well, that was beautiful. God damn. And we get back in the car, we drive down to Las Vegas and I feel something in my stomach and I start laughing and I'm happy and I don't think it's just the ice cream. And uh, we walk into the cheapest chapel we can find. And a guy that looks very much like Christopher Walken uh, tells us, okay, rings or no rings? We say no rings. Vows or no vows? And we say no vows. God or no God? And we say, let's leave him out of this uh, thing tonight. And as this guy is telling his vows, I look at her in her eyes and we're laughing and we're happy and I think can I live in a country with 
huge empty ketchup bottles? Can I live in a country with ice cream? Can I live in a country with poetry by Persian poets? And I say my answer out loud, I do, I do. Thank you. That was beautiful. Aww. Aww. <laughs> so, burning question. You still married? Yes, I am still married. Okay, yes. good. Aww. <laughs> so, yeah, happily, happily, happily married so far, I think. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the things I want to say is I love the way you use humor when you're doing your stories. I've heard you many, many times, and your timing, the way you use humor is perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I think I'm always thinking about... Um, how long it goes without a laugh pause. Like, I always try to have a reaction uh, in between big pieces. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about, about tension, usually. Uh, sometimes to the detriment of the story, but, um, but yeah. Well, it's interesting. So, you know, I, I do storytelling workshops around, and a question that people often ask me is, you know, sh- should I be? Should I be funny in my story? And my answer is always, you know, are you funny? Like, you should only try to be mm-hmm. funny if you are funny because right. I think, like, for you it works, right? But, like, there'd be this danger of you sort of think, oh, I have this joke in the story and you tell it mm-hmm. and then no one laughs. And then, right. like, you can't stop thinking about the fact that, like, no one laughed, you know? Uh-huh. And one thing that I think you do very well, actually, is, and maybe it's from your stand-up background, is when people laugh, like, you know to wait until they're done laughing mm. to start talking, which, did that take a while to kind of figure out? how to do that um i guess i guess i guess it's the yeah i guess it's the stand-up background uh i don't i don't necessarily notice it but uh um i am aware of yeah i think yeah i i think it took a a little bit of time to figure that out but but because it stand-up is so driven to jokes and to and to that timing i think i think that has helped me to in my in my stories yeah. One thing I was wondering, so um, so you actually told the story at the very first moth. It was our inaugural moth. Yes. And it was actually your your audition tape uh-huh. sort of to, to be well, a host. I was nervous. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell in the thing, but uh, it's I, a very I was very nervous. You hit it well. Yeah, I yeah, couldn't well, tell. That's good. But so the thing I think about is, so you told the story, I guess it was February of 2016. Uh-huh. And it's a story of sort of agreeing to yes, I will live in this country that can uh-huh. be fairly absurd. And then, what, you know, nine months later, <laughs> right. Trump, Trump becomes president, right? And so, you know, would that have changed your calculus at all about whether you wanted to commit to this country in that way? Uh, well, I mean, uh, um, I think so, in a, in a way. I mean, uh, I, I think maybe I would have still um, done it, but the process of applying for citizenship, for example... Um, happened um, in a different context. So, so yeah, I think I think Trump's election was a little bit of a uh, of a of a kind of like a wake up call on to a lot of issues in the country that uh, that uh, were there but were very uh, were easier to ignore when we when we had uh, another president. Um, in power, so, so yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think I would have necessarily changed my decision on 
on staying and living in the country because of that. Because the main thing that that kind of tied me to it was uh, um, my relationship with with my wife and, um, and and the the job opportunities that that I was uh, I was having that I, I've had here in Madison. So. Um, Every every place has horrible politicians, and uh, um, I think it's um, it's part of our responsibility to kind of fight back and resist when we see that there's something wrong. So, in a way, I'm also glad that I'm here and that I get to resist and fight back, or at least help in my own way. I don't know. Um, how did you guys tell that story to your friends and family of doing it? Because I know you mentioned, like, you want to get married for love, and it's just a piece of paper, and it doesn't mean anything, and then that change happened. So how did you transition and kind of let people in on, hey, guess what happened? <laughs> so it took us a while to let people know that we that we were married, um, and it all changed. We, we, we started telling people because five months or so after we got married, we had uh, Autumn's niece, um, our niece, as a guest into our house. She was staying with us for for a while, and um, she went to get the mail, and she came back and opened the door to the house and said, uh, Aunt, uncle, we need to talk. And she <laughs> put on the table uh, a, the, the envelope that came from the Vegas oh. marriage uh, <laughs> certificate, the district, it was the Let's marriage certificate. <laughs> And it was very clear what it was in the in the envelope. So she was she was nine years old. She was nine or ten years old at the time, I think. I don't remember exactly the age. But uh it was like, Oh, okay, <laughs> you're the first one to know and so at that moment we just called everybody and we and we told them, hey, we're by the way, we're married and so so yeah, we kind of like told the story and um everybody in my family and in her family knew that we that for us, the idea of marriage was not something uh, very significant. So, um, I mean, they were very excited for us, but they also didn't hold it against us, which, which I thought would have been a which would have been a uh, an issue. But luckily, no, everybody was happy and excited about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I was thinking about listening to this story is, you know, that sort of expression that what is that expression that like a real like real life. What the, what is it been like? How weird life can be weirder than fix, stranger fiction. than fiction. Stranger, stranger than fiction. fiction. Thank you. I mean, so that's crazy that 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 guy was behind you. Like, I mean, what are the odds that there yeah. is you know like know. a Rilke poet reciting poetry uh-huh. to you? Like, yeah. I mean, and uh, and it was cool because he was also on a on a weird journey. It was like a weird encounter with him. Um, he had this. Um, he had a stutter. Um, and this big presence, he was wearing this hat. I don't know if he was wearing a hat now that I'm saying it, but he was dressed in black and he was, he was just very imposing. It had this weird energy, very interesting, um, character. And, um, and he, you know, he said this poem, we talked a little bit to him too. And he told us that he was escaping this event. He had an event that he had to go, but he decided he was suddenly going to, to, to stop doing this tour he was doing with his book or something and he just drove away 
and he was just driving without direction into Kansas. Um, and so his own story was also this, uh, he was also on this journey. So it was just a very interesting, very interesting encounter. Um, we, um, after a couple of years, we try to uh, find his name or remember his name or remember who he was. Uh, so we did some uh, research online and we found his name and uh, uh, we got the we got the book uh, and we couldn't remember the poem that he that he recited but we got the we got a couple of his books um, and we were like oh I think it was this one I think it was <laughs> this other one but we the moment we found it was like oh this is the, the this one. is what yeah. the one the one he read he read to us or he recited to us. Um, so it was like a cool, like the whole story uh, kind of came to like the, the, the symbolism of the story and the presence of this man and, and, and the poem he said was in, in our memories, it kind of became, be, became more and more solidified or more interesting with time or it developed into this, this uh, greater idea. I don't know. It was, it was your spiritual experience you said you didn't have yet. Yeah. I think that was it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, as far as the structure of the story, I think that was the the point. Are we, do you, do, do you want it to, can yeah, I, can I, I t yeah, should yeah, we talk about that or should, yeah. or do you want to talk about that later? A little no, no, bit? I think this is the later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the later. Great. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that was like, yeah, that sort of, you know, I feel like, um, you know, there are sort of some key elements to telling a good story. And, mm -hmm. you know, you told a great story. So it'd be interesting to hear how you thought about putting it together. Yeah, well, I I actually don't think this story is, gr is great, very well structured in a way because uh, that is kind of like, that is kind of like the highest point in the story in this, this spiritual uh, uh, aspect of getting, you know, getting the marriage. And then I... After that, I go into you know going to the to the church and the vows, and I think that was a little bit too long, like it was. So I think I should I should have put that part of the story in the poem a little bit later, in the story, to kind of that be a little bit more of the of the heavy part of the end of the story maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, well, I think of like to me in a story, you know, like. I always, you know, I feel like you always want to have a sense of where you're driving the story. Like, what is a main event you're driving your story uh -huh. to? And so you were like driving us to this, to the wedding. You know, oh, like, are yeah. you going to get Quite married literally. or not? Right. You know, I mean, yeah, I guess literally. Uh -huh. too. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's I sort of think of that as like that's where the story was going. But the meat of the story is mm -hmm. in everything that happened from the moment you decided you had to get married till you got married. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things that I think shouldn't be there. Um, I started talking about breakfast, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And then w we did have this uh, this uh, windstorm in the middle while we were driving there. That was very in the story uh, in 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 our experience. That was a very strong moment because it was just this red sand in the in the desert. And we saw it coming, and it just surrounded our car. And it kind of like isolated us from everything else. We just saw red sand all over. And it was a very powerful moment. But in the way I told the story, it doesn't really fit. Or I don't put a lot of emphasis on that right. because I had a limited amount of time. Right. So I just say, oh, and we, we went into the sandstorm and then we got out of the sandstorm. So I think that's kind of like a, like a flaw also in the story. Yeah, I actually, uh, I, made a note, I actually made a note on that very thing where, it, you know, like 
I feel like the hardest thing, like I feel like if you throw something in a story and then you never circle back to it in the back of, at least my head is like, well, what was the point of that? You know, and, yeah. so, and that could have, like, you could have had that be this moment of, it was like a metaphor, you know, whatever, but, uh-huh. but you didn't. Right. So yeah, right. you expanded on it. It right. could have definitely uh-huh. fit in a little bit more, but now it makes sense why you put it there right. versus you didn't really explain it more in the story, but now yeah. it makes sense. And I think it's kind of one of those difficult things about being a storyteller with a, in, a, in an event like this where you have a limited amount of time to tell a story. And if you're basing it from something that is real, you have all of these emotional elements that 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 are important or were important to the to what happened in the story but you have to make the decision of saying this is these are the motifs that i'm going to use or this is the arc that i'm going to use and so not everything that happened to you will make the cut yeah no i think you know you have to choose yeah i think you're you're exactly right i mean i I mean I, i know when i tell stories i'm pretty ruthless about yeah, like it mattered to me that I was on I ninety before I got to this thing, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter to anybody else. Even right. though, although, like, I shouldn't have been on I ninety, but I was. You know, like, uh-huh. you know, whatever right. the thing is. Right. Or if you say that was important, maybe I'm gonna put a lot of weight into that, and right. then I'm gonna cut these other things. Right. So for me, the important thing of the story was, or or the 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 thing that should have been central to the story was to have these these moments where where. The, the things that that were the, the everyday things were charged with importance, right? Because what I chose this, the main focus or the main conflict of the story was that this should be an uneventful day, and then we had all of these uh, symbolic moments that made it eventful. Right. So yeah, it and was hard to choose all too. of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah what things to put in and what things to add more significance to and what uh-huh. things to take out, you know, because right. one small detail, you know, maybe if you would have took away the sandstorm, it wouldn't have made sense or not put in the breakfast at all. So uh-huh. you do a very good job of, I think, trying to pick and choose which little things. And that's pretty hard to do for a storyteller without going overboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple questions yeah. we ask every um, guest that we have here. We ask every guest of which you are first. <laughs> that's cool. So you're the first one. You're the guinea pig. That's right. Um, so, couple questions what's one of your favorite things about madison what's one of my favorite things about madison um i think it it's a little it's it's a nice compact bubble i think it's a um you know you have the lakes on each side and if you are in the in the downtown area it's very easy to move around Madison by walking or by bike. Um, it's easy to get to a lake. It's easy to get to a park. It's easy to get to a restaurant. So there's this, um, it's very manageable. It's a small town, but it's also, but you also have at least enough uh, restaurants and enough nightlife to, to have a, uh, an experience of a, of a bigger city. So I think that's... We do have a lot of restaurants here. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) Um, What's one thing you wish Madison had or something you think uh, you wish you would change about Madison? Oh, more diversity for sure. Uh, It's it's not a very diverse city and it's also because of the same... (laughs) The same thing that I'm saying that is cool about Madison, which is like very compact. The fact that we have the isthmus and they have the the fact that we have this uh, crazy uh, prices in home ownership and... And I, I wish there were more more um, ways to have people with lower income living more downtown and 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 a little bit more um, 
development on on uh, um, I don't know, just just more uh, housing. How do you call it? Like uh, in, in, income controlled housing and like rent control. Kind of? Yes, uh, just just to have just to have a little bit more. Um, interaction with with people that usually there's there's a lot of uh, communities living in 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 south park street like the latino community or um you know and and so there's there's not a lot of diversity in the downtown area of the city and it right. feels and so that feels a little bit um it feels like it like it limits a, a little bit the interactions that you have in the city i feel so i don't know I agree. You can be isolating. One mm -hmm. more question. What um, tip do you have for aspiring storytellers? Um, a tip for storytelling. I think, I think tension, I think building tension, being aware of how you build tension is one of the most important things uh, for telling a story or for, you know, for oral speaking. If you, um, if, if you give the audience some something that is going to happen and that builds up uh you can decide when to break that tension and uh and break it as the more you build tension the easier to it is to break it and so um you can break it with a with uh with a joke or you can just say something unexpected and break a little bit of that tension um, and controlling if you if you if you give your audience too much tension, you may find that they won't follow the story or they will feel uncomfortable. So it's good to build just to control how much tension you're building in your story. I think I'm not a great storyteller, yeah. by the way, but uh, um, you're asking me for tips, so I'll. Just <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's sort of interesting to hear a storytelling tip from. Um, a comic, right? right? You know, because mm, you, yes. have, you, you come up with a that's different a very, perspective. That's a very stand-up comedy yeah. uh, tip, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, when I you started your story, background. I thought either you were going to break up or she's giving you an ultimatum to get married. Uh -huh. And then you're like, oh, okay, then I followed along. Right, so it's kind of like, the, and that's the thing, that's the unexpected thing. It's like, okay, it's the last day of our relationship. Uh, and so I'm building tension there, saying like, it, our relationship is going to change. And then, I try to break that tension by saying, "Oh, because we are getting married," or just change the 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 direction or the or what I think the audience is thinking. So, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for being our first storyteller thank that you. we thank have you. on our first episode of our fledgling podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. This is cool. I like uh, the idea of the podcast, and it's fun. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank well, you. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to Inside Stories. Um, if you like the show, please subscribe and share. If you have suggestions for storytelling events in Madison or any other suggestions, you can email us at InsideStoriesPodcast at gmail.com. And to subscribe, um, go to iTunes and subscribe there.